and gentlemen, women and children, people of all ages, age groups, genders, it is great to podcast to you guys again. Here is another episode of Mets Maniacs. We took a week off. Uh, the last episode we posted uh, should be last Sunday. And, you know, the reason for this, the Mets have sucked. They played very, very poor baseball. They made it difficult for us to watch them, but we did because we love you guys, and this is what we got to do. We're going to give you the Mets news. That's what we pledge to do, and, and you know, we would never do anything less. So me and Mike are back. Uh, I gave him a call. Of course, I'm going to play the ad, uh, as we always do here for our little SOP before we get started. Mike and I in this one just touch on the Mets season as a whole, talk about, you know, the pros and cons of this season. They're mostly cons, of course. Uh, I don't think I am spoiling anything there, but we talk about the biggest issues we saw on the Mets in 2020 that kind of led to their downfall, so to speak, or just the failure of the season. We also talk about the bright spots in David Peterson, uh, Jimenez, a little bit with Guillaume as well, and just some some pros we saw for the season and what it's really going to take in 2021 as well managerially for the Mets if we want to have a successful season. So really hope you guys are doing well the last couple two weeks. For me, there's just a lot of moving parts, but you know, We'll be fine. We always are. Um, so we'll just hopefully that logic sticks and remains to be true. But uh, yeah, guys, welcome to fall. Take a look around. Go on a walk tomorrow. The weather's getting nicer. I know here in D.C. it's going to be about 80, but later in the week it's going to drop to high 50s, which I'm really pumped about, guys. I got a whole new wardrobe. Well, I don't have a whole new wardrobe, but I'm looking to acquire more clothes and just, you know, mix and match. And I think it's going to be a really good fall season. My roommate just picked up some pumpkin donuts. We got some apple cider. There's a lot of good things happening. Even if the Mets didn't make the playoffs, I want you guys to enjoy fall. Do something for you. Make something that makes you happy. Go to an apple orchard, okay? Make some apple cider. Throw a little whiskey in there on the weekends, okay? Don't be drinking on the job over there. I know you're working from home, maybe, maybe. But don't be drinking on the job. Save that for the weekend. Um, maybe we'll do a virtual toast. I know I will have one this upcoming Friday. Uh, until then, Mike and I are going to be releasing episodes in the future. I don't know what cadence yet, kind of as things pop up. But the main point is we're still going to be producing and putting out content for all Mets Maniacs fans moving forward. So uh, take an eye for that. Uh, look out for it. You can follow us on Twitter. That's where most of these announcements will be taking place. You can follow us at Mets Maniacs Pod. The M in Mets and Maniacs and the P in Pod are capitalized. That's at Mets Maniacs Pod. Send us an email, all lowercase, at wearemetsmaniacs at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. As always, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I would really appreciate that. I know Uncle Mike would too. Definitely helps us out. So yeah, do those things. Listen to the episode. Let me know what you guys think. And other than that, we'll see you later. Hope you have a great week. And stay tuned to hear me and Mike cover the Mets in this season as a whole and give you little tidbits for the future. And we touch on Brody and Louis Rojas as well. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. Mike, what's going on? How you doing, man? Doing great, doing great. Uh, in the personal life, doing great. Um, with the Mets, not so much. And those lines definitely blur. So, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's a good day of football, not for the Giants. Um, shout out to the Mets Maniacs fan. I'm, I'm a Giants fan. Mike is a Jets fan. Um, so maybe we both come together in the fact that both teams suck. 
Um, but, you know, that's okay, because this podcast is about the Mets, um, who also, for the entire year, I would chalk this up as a sucks year. You know, I think, especially in a year, you know, with the talent on this roster, and, and given the injuries aside, right, because, of course, we had an injury to Noah Syndergaard earlier on, and we lost Stroman, and Cespedes left, and it put us in a whole Still with the talent on the roster and with guys like David Peterson who came up, you know, a great positive surprise there. I think it's just unacceptable that this team was unable to make the playoffs in a year where eight of the 15 National League teams can make that mark. And especially with a team like the Miami Marlins that came in and secured that spot. And nothing, not even to knock the Marlins, you know, what this is, they haven't made the playoffs in 17 years. Um, so the 03, and then they made it this year. I mean, that, it's great for them. They weren't even looking to be a competitor this year. Uh, but I just think it makes it that much worse as a Mets fan that this year over your team, the Marlins were able to accomplish that statistic, right? So, um, you know, to end the season two, we lose our last three games against the Nationals. We had the doubleheader yesterday, the 26th on Saturday, and then we got blown out today, 15-5. Um, Mike, let me just turn to you for an initial reaction for this season as a whole, what are your thoughts right now as we just finished up, you know, the last game we'll play in 2020? Uh, it's definitely anger and it's definitely frustration. It's a little bit of embarrassment uh, in a season where more, more teams make the playoffs than ever before. Uh, the, it's less games than ever before. So it's kind of like a, the room for error is definitely smaller, but like in the same sense, if you just go in one hot streak, then that's, huge compared to what typically happens over the course of the season. So I think the Mets, it, it was definitely tough. I mean, coming into this last weekend, yeah, we had a chance to make the playoffs and actually everything wound up breaking the way we needed to break. If we would have won out, we would have made the playoffs. But yesterday you could see that there wasn't a ton of fight left in this team. That was a little bit embarrassing to me. Uh, I would have liked to see the Mets come out definitely with more passion for the game. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't the case. Uh, with everything going on, it just sucks. I mean, you talked, you touched on the Marlins, and it's annoying because, like, you think about the Marlins team coming into the year. They signed Corey Dickerson. They signed Jonathan VR. They have a ton of rookies in their starting lineup there. They have Ryan Anderson, who's been there for a good while. Uh, but other than that, Jorge Alfaro has been there. Uh, other than that, though, it's a team that nobody was really expecting much from. And they kind of got out of the gates slow. I think they were like 500 through the first 15, 16 games of the season. And then they just turned it on. And it was just really the Marlins were just consistent the whole year. And that's something the Mets weren't, whether it was pitching, whether it was hitting, whether it was hitting with runners in scoring position. Mets flat out were kind of embarrassing. And I don't think the Mets really played well. I mean, in the beginning of the year, we kind of had our hopes high, played well in that Mar uh, in the Brave series to open up. We thought we were going to be, hey, this could be our year. Diaz had that blown save, and then we get blown out in the Sunday night game, Porcello pitches, and then we play the Red Sox, we sweep two in Boston. It's like, hey, Mets are, what are we, three and two at the time. We have the Grom going on the hill. I remember this was the sixth game of the season. Like, this could be, we could be swinging into the prime, and then nothing really, nothing really rode the way we anticipated. And I felt embarrassed because a team like the Marlins, who don't have success, who weren't built for success this year, I mean, before the trade deadline, they had a bunch of aging veterans that they signed because the teams that they were previously on didn't want them. They didn't want to re-sign them. 
uh, and then had a bunch of young, unproven guys. It's so frustrating because the Mets, after overcoming a ton last year, having that incredible August stretch in 2019, just kind of came out flat the whole year. And I know that Pete Alonso said if there's 100 more games, the Mets could have came back and stuff. But, like, you knew going into the year, 60 games, you had 60 games to fucking buckle up and grind. I felt like the Mets didn't do that, and that was a frustrating part to me. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with you. And, and just to, um, you know, provide transparency for the standings here at the end of the year, uh, you had the Braves take the NL East at 35-25. and 25. They won the division, followed by the Marlins at 31-29. The Phillies, Mets, and the Nationals all did not make the playoffs this year, which is very surprising across three teams. You know, especially for the Mets, it wasn't even the aim at the beginning of the year was to win the division. And I thought we very much had a legitimate chance to do so as we talked about earlier on the show. But the fact that you have a lineup, too, and, and, and the roster of the Phillies, even the Nationals, and both the Mets and the Nationals finished at 26-34. and 34. That's good to tie for the last place in the division. And the Phillies finished at 28-32. Um, so really just disappointing, honestly, in the NL East. But to your point, right, this is a team that in August of last year, really last year down the stretch in 2019, you know, we were one of the top three best teams in the National League. So you know we have that capability and that potential, but we just couldn't bring it all together consistently enough this year. I think that's a big point. Consistency is key, and we just weren't able to build that. And I think it's interesting, too, that Pete Alonso, you know, um, talked about, you know, if there were 100 more games in the season, maybe we could write the ship. And obviously, the Mets fans here got very frustrated um, because the pieces were there. We just couldn't make it happen. But a guy like Pete, I think, is a great example of right at the end of the year, he really started to heat up. And, of course, he had two home runs today. Um, he's hit you know, home runs in many recent games as well. But if you see, too, I, the last seven games here, he's batting 417. He's got four homers. You know, it's 10 for his last 24 bats. Um and I think, too, in his swing, when he first came up in 2019, he was hitting more line drives. And that's what you're seeing now, too, because he's more level with the ball and just, you know, sending it out in a second. And I think that's the Pete we need, who just focusing on making contact will hit you a bunch of home runs anyway, especially with 17, right, on, on the year. Um, so, yeah, potentially if we played 162-game season, this team could figure it out. but still. I think it highlights ever more so the games that we give away and that we just let up. There's so many games earlier in the season. I think in the first, like, 12 games we talked about, there was five that we could have won. You know, that was just so frustrating to have a loss in such a Mets-esque manner. And even in the beginning of the year, like you said, Mike, we started off with this confidence and this optimism. You know, we win opening day and pieces, you know, they, they seem to be there and our roster and our lineup is looking dangerous. And then, you know, the dominoes start to fall with injuries and, and, and players not playing uh, due to coronavirus concerns, and the team's just honestly not playing well, even you know, not using anything else as an excuse there. But um, you know, I, I think it's just fitting too in a sad, but yet just like that makes sense kind of way, right? With Freddie Wilpon playing the Wilpons last year with the Mets as we the transition into new ownership. We hit on that theme again with the Mets that at least for our generation, as long as I've been a Mets fan for at least, it just feels like that hope at the beginning of the year. Obviously, Brody was in win-now mode for the acquisitions that we made recently. 
and then it started off good, the hype was there, and then it just fell off a cliff. You know, we finished last, or tied for last in the National League East. So definitely hope moving forward under new owner Steve Cohen, and that's something we'll touch on uh, later in future podcasts. But, Mike, what I want to ask you now, and I'll give you my answer after, what do you think was the biggest issue? If you were to pick one thing about the Mets in 2020, which the biggest X factor for their failure this year, uh, what would it be and why? I think it was starting pitching. Uh, starting pitching was the most inconsistent ever, and even DeGrom towards the end of the season was not that consistent. Uh, but you never knew what you were going to get. You could get anywhere between literally an inning and six innings. Six innings was probably the uh, outliers most of the time. But the starting pitching was awful. Uh, there's really no way around it. I think nobody besides DeGrom – I mean, Peterson was uh, was a gem that we uncovered, but besides DeGrom, there's really nothing that you could have been like – positive about. I mean, Porcello and Walker were the two big offseason signings who were going to come help the rotation. Porcello finishes 1-7. and seven. Walker was pretty brutal, too. Stephen Matz was absolutely abysmal, someone we were kind of counting on who looked really good in his first start. And then I don't know if he actually got an out after that first start. He was terrible this offseason to the point where it's like, I don't think we want him on our, our team anymore. I don't think he's a building block going forward. I don't think that he's an asset to this team. Uh, so that's kind of a... that's. That was absolutely kind of a really tough realization and one that I don't think we foresaw. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the most inconsistent part about the Mets this year was the fact that the pitching, which was such a solid piece of the Mets for the last five years since that 2015 World Series, was just the most heinous part of this team. That I mean, runners in scoring position was tough in the beginning of the year, but we got over that. Pitching was something that we never really got over. And there was times where we had back-to-back-to-back pitchers go like two innings each start, and that's just completely inexcusable in a major league rotation, especially if it, for a team that's built to seemingly win now. Yeah, I would have to agree with you, too. I, you know, my position as well follows yours, that we, we do need good starting pitching. That will also right, help the bullpen give them rest if we can get deeper in the games strengthen that area as well, and Diaz definitely had a bounce back year, even though he had a tough um, beginning of the year, and I don't think he's, you know, 100% the guy that he was back in 2018, but uh, we saw glimpses, and, you know, I wouldn't say he's the, the biggest failure is him or the bullpen for the Mets in 2020. I definitely think it, as you do, it is the starting pitching. Um, you have Peterson come up, and he looked great, you know, uh, he was a godsend to Grom, was solid, of course, uh, even with minor in the last couple starts, he still put the team in a position to win, but looking past that, um, there really wasn't anything else to be happy about. Porcello and Waka, you touched on uh, you know, not pitching up to standard, and this is a year that we needed, that's why it felt like such a slap in the face with Stephen Mass, because we needed him this year more than ever, with Syndergaard and Stroman going down, to really step up, and at the time, be our number two. Because remember, we didn't know what the hell we were going to get out of Peterson. Right? And we got really lucky, and I think he led the team in wins this year with six. Uh, that's another astounding statistic, but we really needed Mass to come through and give us some innings. And like you said, I mean, he's just – he just fits like a pile of shit. Um, he, in this last game, too, he gives up that – you know, he walks. He's the first guy he faces with a bit of loaded. Trey Turner gets up, gets up a grand slam. Um, his ERA on the season is nine six eight, and I don't think he's in our plans for the future either. You know, maybe he does figure it out down the line, but I don't think we have the time, patience, or the need, honestly, to see it out. I think this offseason we make some moves for some starting pitching, but 
I think too, and, and just to talk about this in another sense, just the consistency part where we just couldn't win, you know, and that's so general, but it's the truth. I think a great example of that kind of a microcosm of how the season has gone for me. And this is something that Gary brought up, up in the booth for Saturday's game, the first game of the doubleheader when DeGrom squared up against Scherzer and DeGrom goes five innings. And again, this was only a seven inning game, but you know, not a good performance for DeGrom in for his standard, but he still, he goes five innings. He left a three and run strikes out 10 puts the team in a position to win. Uh, we're up early. We're winning the game three, one, and we end up losing the game four, three, but you know, we're winning three, one in the top of the fourth at this point. So in a normal game, that would equate to like the seventh, um, and we blow the lead and lose. And it just seems like in the year we, we had so many lead slippages or games where we just, for whatever reason, you know, couldn't pull it together, couldn't put the game away. And it just seemed like, oh, like one loss, not that bad, but they kept on adding up. Next thing you know, right, we have 34 losses. We're not making the playoffs. It's just we can never right the ship. So I think it's just having everything aligning at once with, and we could definitely do this, right, with starting pitching, the offense, and fielding, at least for starting pitching and the fielding uh, on the defensive aspect of the game. You know, this lineup will produce. Some days, that's quiet, but overall, we're going to score runs. We just need to make sure that the game is close enough where we can, you know, come back and be able to shut the door, too, if we get that lead. Um, but I think, yeah, going into the offseason, the biggest thing we need to focus on is starting pitching. And I know you brought this up, too. You texted me earlier with Seth Lugo, just giving a horrid start in, in today's game, which I was honestly very surprised to see, giving his last outing against the Rays, a very good hitting team, uh, you know, for many a World Series favorite. But Lugo came on, goes one and a third, gives up six earned. And, uh, you know, I, I think it definitely does bring the question back into play. Maybe we do put him back in the bullpen. I honestly don't know what the answer is right now. Uh, I was big on Lugo as a starter. I think he's shown that how he can pitch very, very well. And he's not like Matt in the sense of Matt's right now is just terrible. He had that great first game of the year, like one earned to Atlanta over seven innings, but then just kind of shut down after that and now just can't get anybody out. Lugo, like, he's just blown up. Um, not his last start, but the start before, and now this one. So maybe we start him. If we find another viable option, I think I'd say I'm comfortable starting 2021 with Lugo in the bullpen as a set of men for Diaz. I think that looks pretty good in your 8-9. Uh, looks really good, um, especially Diaz can continue riding his success. But we definitely need to find a new starting pitcher you know, because we have DeGrom, Peterson, Syndergaard, but we need at least one other guy in there, I believe, who can, you know, be a quality third, fourth starter, even better than Porcello or Waka this year, for sure, you know, if we want to um, make a run. And I think if we do get that, again, this is very early. This is definitely a Mets fan speaking, but there's a, you know, a real shot for us to win the NL East in 2021. Yeah, for me, my take on Lugo is that I want Lugo. I'd rather have four innings of Seth Lugo out of the bullpen, pitching to like a 1.8, 2.2 ERA, than have six innings of him starting pitcher pitching to – I know he pitched on 5.1 this year. I know he's had a tough couple of rough starts, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I'd rather – and say he's a 3-9 starter. I'd rather the four innings out of the bullpen, which is essentially two saves, 
than the one decent start that he'll give a week. Uh, that's just my opinion. I think he's much more valuable as a reliever, uh, especially when you look at the bullpen that we had this year. We have Dylan Tance's throw to a 7.3 ERA. Steven Matz got moved to the bullpen. He was fucking atrocious, too. So it's like we have so many holes in the bullpen. And I, 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 I recognize that we also have holes in the rotation, but I think at some point you have to kind of address those rotation holes with Peterson, Syndergaard, and DeGrom and free agency and not move the kind of brightest spot we had in our bullpen uh, to the rotation. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair point. I think we gave Lugo his shot, and he's shown promise, but I think now I would lean towards putting Lugo back into the bullpen, right? And with three solid guys to build the starting rotation around, I think it becomes – and if we could get somebody off free agency who's a great pitcher or even a good pitcher, you know, I think that you're right. We could focus more on the bullpen. And with four guys, I mean, those, those top three I mentioned, I mean, these, these are good pitchers, right? So I think I feel more comfortable moving Lugo in. I think more now just we had such a vacuum, such a hole in the rotation. You know, we needed somebody to fill it, so it made sense to slot in Lugo. I was excited for him, but, you know, we definitely need consistency out of the bullpen which is something Lugo has shown he can do. So, like, yeah, I think to maximize his competitive advantage, right, like let's throw him in the bullpen. That makes sense to me. Um, a follow-up question, too, on kind of like this season as a whole, you know, what for you, what was the most, like, positive surprise of the season? What was the most positive aspect of the season for you, positive player that you saw come up? And then on the flip, you know, who was the biggest disappointment? Uh, most positive, I think, would have to either be Peterson or Andres Jimenez. Uh, I know Birdie Van Wagen gets a ton of shit, but I think two of the best decisions he's made as GM is bringing up Pete Alonso in 2019 to start the season and bringing up Andres Jimenez this year. Jimenez looks like a gold glove caliber shortstop who can hit for average. He's got a little bit of pop, but he looks like someone who could be a building block for this New York Mets team. And that's like that's honestly something that like I knew this kid was good. I knew he was he has tr- trouble hitting, but he's pretty good defensively. And then this kid came up and made play after play after play and just really impressed me, uh, kind of made Ahmed Rosario look awful, uh, to be completely blunt. He made him look really bad, whether it's in the field or whether it was uh, at the dish. He was better than Rosario in almost every aspect of the game this year. Uh, so between those two, it's two two guys in the Mets minor leagues who were both uh, acquired, I believe, by Sandy Alderson. And uh, they – looked the part. They were two of our top prospects and they look like they could be major league contributors and guys we're going to ask to uh, and rely on next year. So that, that was definitely the brightest spot for me. And then the darkest spot was definitely Batances or Matt, who I kind of touched on earlier. Both of them were absolutely brutal this year. Batances with the 7-3 ERA and Steven Matz, who pitched himself from the number two uh, spot in the rotation out of the rotation into a bullpen, into a long relief bullpen and then into a bullpen spot where the game's out of hand is the only time he's allowed to come in. Uh, he absolutely just awful performance from Steven Matt this year. And honestly, when we were like talking about it, I know he was your X factor going into the season. And he honestly, it, he kind of, uh, he kind of just kind of threw it back in your face. <laughs> couldn't have been worse. It couldn't have been worse. Couldn't have made me look worse here on Mets Maniac. So Steven Matt, uh, um, thanks for that, man. Uh, unbelievable. But yeah, no, Mike, you um, 
you really hit the head on the uh, uh, the nail on the head there, rather. But I would agree with you on both aspects, too. I think the biggest positives for me were definitely Hannes and David Peterson, negatives in the bullpen, Patances, and then the late Stephen Matz in the bullpen now. I'd also say, too, Wilson Ramos was a huge disappointment for me this year. End of the season, hitting 237, five home runs, um, 296 on base percentage. And, you know, what you can see, too, is just he just looks slow out there in the field, and he looked slow behind the plate. He really disappointed me defensively. So many missed balls, even when DeGrom was pitching, right, and we were up. We either up 3-1 or 3-2. I think we were up 3-1 at the time, and DeGrom just spikes the pitch away from a right-handed batter. So Ramos being a righty, obviously stretches out with his hand and tries to backhand it. And it was a horrible pitch. He scored a wild pitch. But it was just like, I feel like with a different catcher, at least seeing the catcher try to put his body in front of it would be so much better. And it, it, it was a tougher play, don't get me wrong, but I think it's just it, the spotlight is on Ramos now, and I've seen too many other slow tags or slow plays behind the plate, uh, unable to block the ball. And it really does start to add up over time, you know, and especially at the level of Major League Baseball, you know, these minor mistakes do get big and they compound, and they really have cost us game, you know. So I, I really don't think he's in the best future either. And he's a guy, too, I think, just rolling over into double plays. Um, obviously, he had that home run off Scherzer, uh, you know, a couple games ago in that, in that first game of the double header. But he was my most – disappointing player, I think, besides Matt, because Matt was like, I, I was just like, this is not even real anymore. Like, you were just so bad. I almost started to stop getting frustrated at him, because I'm like, oh, well, you're done. <laughs> like, you're out of the plans for the future or whatever. Like, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Enjoy the season like, while it lasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it's over. I don't need to see your face every day, so, like, when you come on, we're usually losing by, like, seven. <laughs> if he's coming into the game, it doesn't really matter as much. Wilson is in there you know, most days in close games before Sharinos is on the team especially. And, you know, it's just – it really killed my heart to see him roll into a double play or miss a ball or not tag a guy out at home. So, yeah, Wilson is on my shit list. He pissed me off the most of any match this year. But, Mike, do you have any uh, questions for me for the season? Or um, I know you said you might have some stuff you wanted to, to broach. Yeah, so uh, we're wrapping up the year, obviously. Uh, anticipating all going well in terms of the Steve Cohen deal, do you think next year that – not even think, do you want Luis Rojas to be managing this team and Brody Van Wagenen to be the general manager, or do you want, like, a combo of, like, you keep Rojas, get rid of Brody, or vice versa type thing? What do you want, and then what do you think is going to happen? Really good question. I would actually – I would like to keep Rojas. Uh, I know I've definitely criticized him during the year, as we would if any manager of the Mets, um, you know, comes on. It's part of our job as fans and podcasters to go after these guys. But, you know, I, I think Rojas was learning, too. I I would like it, – it's kind of tough to see in, in a short season how the guys in the clubhouse might feel about him. But I think he has a good relationship with the players. I don't know – He's definitely not the ideal manager for me in the sense of I wish I could get more anger out of him sometimes. Like, I liked when Terry screamed at the press after we lost, like, you know, by 15 runs, which happens often with the Mets. 
And I have to like that because it kind of fires me up as a fan. And I think it does the same with the players and kind of, you know, motivates them and helps them, like, cultivate that, that culture of resistance and resilience that I feel like the Mets players at least offensively have after, like, a very bad loss. I don't think the guys will go out there and, and play, like, in a downtrodden, like, deflated mood. I think, you know, their spirits come back even higher, which is necessarily what you have to do, which is why baseball is such an interesting sport because it's such a long season. You need to be mentally resilient. You can't be a mass mental midget, as Uncle Mike would like to say, you know, because you will fail. Um, but so I, I think I'd say short season, I think Rojas warrants another year. I'd like to see him with a full 162-game season. And I would actually keep Brody. I know there's a lot of talk against Brody and, you know, against these prospects that uh, Brody dealt away and, you know, like uh, the shit storm that happened earlier in the year with the, you know, uh, hot mic where Brody was calling out the Wilpons and this is with, and, and, and we're uh, with Rob Manfred and then blaming the Wilpons rather. I would still like to keep him here. And of course, yes, he's definitely said, look, we're in win now mode and we haven't won now uh, in 2019 or obviously this year, but Look, man, the pieces are in place, and I think you brought up a good point of Wilson, you know, calling up Pete Alonzo, and then the same with Jimenez to start this year. These are bright pieces. At least he didn't deal away pitching prospects. Dave Peterson, right? So he's on the team. You know, I get why people want to get rid of him, but I, I just feel like the pieces are there for us to win, and to a certain extent, maybe it comes down to these players, especially the starting pitching itself. And of course you could argue too, we had some other starting pitching prospects that Brody didn't deal away. We would have been much more apt and better suited to handle this shortage that we experienced this year. But look, he's at least he's went to make deals and he tries to, you know, he got new players in and got Cano and Diaz, which at the beginning of the year, everyone was screaming about, um, you know, Cano still finished the year about 316, right? And, Diaz looked a lot better. So those pieces look like that worked, you know, and like maybe not to the extent of what we gave up, of course, but, you know, I, I think all said and done right now, Brody has been net positive for the Mets. And of course, looking down the road, that might not be true. Um, but yeah, so, so I, and then if this team still can't get it together, then I would do like a full mix up new manager, um, and get Brody out of there and try something new. And so this team, I think 2021, let's, let's give a full season. Because as Pete said, maybe we do bounce back. But until then, I'd like to keep things as they are managerially. What about you? Yeah, I think I definitely want to keep Rojas. I think it's kind of too quick to judge based off 60 games, such a weird season, too. Uh, and you had so many unexpected things with Stroman opting out, Cinderella getting eating Tommy John. Uh, so I definitely I think 60 games is too small of a sample size for Luis Rojas. As for Brody, I'm kind of hit or miss with Brody. I think so, I think his signings have been bad overall. Uh, you had like Jed Lowry, Wilson Ramos, Dylan Patances. Those were signings which I don't think really helped the Mets. But then you had some uh, trades like you kind of talked about. Edwin Diaz helped. Uh, I think is going to be a part of this Mets future. I I really like that. Uh, I really like that. The fact that we have him, did we give up too much? Probably. But then I think his drafting's been really well too. From everything I could kind of gather through uh, different MLB sources and stuff. And that's pretty much killed the last two draft classes, especially with like that Matt 
Matt Allen, uh, drafting him in the third round. I think that was two years ago. Uh, they said that that was a great pick. JT Jin in the second round this year. They said Pete Crow Armstrong, who was our first round pick, was a really good pick too. So I think from all intents and purposes, those guys were really good picks. Uh, so, and I know that Sandy Alderson kind of did struggle uh, for a little bit. I know he drafted some guys early in the first round who didn't necessarily pan out. Uh, so I, I think that is a bonus for Brody. Uh, but I don't know with the big, like, we have we now have all this money coming in uh, with Steve Cohen. And I don't know if I want Brody to be the guy to spend it. That's my only worry. Uh, I think yeah, I, that that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at. I don't want I don't know if I want him to be the guy to spend it in the sense that he just pissed away twenty million dollars for Judd Lowry. Judd Lowry actually had seven at bats in two years. He's fucking awful. Uh, Wilson Ramos wasn't great. He made he made some pretty suspect trades at the deadline this year. He, I don't think he handled all the uh, calling up and sending down players this year uh, and losing a lot of people due to uh, due to uh, kind of DFAs and stuff this year. Uh, I don't think that he kind of did that well this year. So I think there's a lot of room for him to work on. And it's a little frustrating for me too because in the same, same sense, uh, I don't know if – I don't know if he's going to get better, and I don't know who replaces the GM. And I, I hated the fact that he, every time he'd sign somebody, we'd mention that they were a uh, former client of his or whatever at his agency. Uh, that that frustrated the hell out of me, but it, it is what it is. Right. I, I think that's a good point. I also have my hesitations with Brody, and I definitely don't have 100% confidence in the guy. Maybe I'm hoping Cohen um, – and I don't know much about Cohen either, other than the fact that he's rich and he's a Mets fan. But I'm okay with those two things being the only factors I know about him, right? But maybe he can rein in Brody a bit and help him make better choices. Because I think Brody got a lot of Mets fans fired up because he definitely made a big splash with the deals we had. But perhaps they weren't the smartest. And that's something that we'll wait to see down the road. But I think, again... I'm going to give him 2021 and let's see what kind of deals he makes. Um, but I hear you too. The whole, like, I don't want to say nepotism, but I, I don't like that whole, like, Oh, I have these relationships and you know, that's how these guys get on this team. That's how the Mets acquire certain players through past relationships of their managerial team. Uh, uh, yeah. This makes me a little bit, but I think all in all, uh, Managerial-wise, nothing really, like, struck me. I was like, you know, you threw the season or even games. Obviously, sometimes I think I, I wish Rojas would leave starters in longer, especially with Lugo and Peterson some games. Who knows? We don't know more than what goes on uh, uh, in the dugout. Peterson obviously stayed on through the seventh in his last start uh, with the BBC ever has, which was great to see. But overall, you know, I, I don't think – Rojas through the season, give him 2021. Same with Brody. I guess we just remain, um, I guess, I, with a healthy dose of skepticism, I'll still support Brody being in the GM role for the Mets. Uh, but let's see how 2021 goes, man. I think, like I said, I'm, I'm still thrilled about this team. That's why I'm very upset, you know, around early September pretty much after that Blue Jays series and we dropped the last two after we won 18-1. Um, and then, yeah, 
it just seemed like this team wasn't gonna wasn't gonna win. We lost those two games in a row, and it was just hard. Again, I guess gear up for 2021, but yeah, I don't know. Just kind of thinking in circles here. I, I don't even know what to say about the Mets for the season. Uh, I'm past that, you know, like. Definitely should have finished higher. I still think with this club and with the injuries going down, we could have finished one-two uh, secured that spot uh, at least in the wild card for this year, but wasn't in the cards. But do you have um, like any, any other questions from your end or notes you want to bring up from recent games? Uh, no. I mean, there's. A, I just want to. Uh put two things in I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, I think Edwin Diaz is also positive. He pitched to a 1.75, brought that home runs per nine down from an astounding 2.3 last year to just a 0.7 this year. Uh, his whip was still over one, but it was definitely better than it was last year and pitched to that 1.75 like I mentioned earlier. Uh, another good thing Brody did do that I did forget about was uh, he signed DeGrom to that extension, at, which is insane market value right now. Yeah, it's definitely big to keep the Grom. So that's a great point. Uh, I, I did want to say too, real quick, another good surprise for the team. I think was Luis Guillorme. You know, he, he filled the team uh, in, in, a, in a hole. You know, we had players go down. You had Neil go down, Camille go down. Uh, we needed a guy to step in, and Guillorme stepped up. He didn't hit him well too. We knew he'd feel, but he did a great job to put the Mets in a position to win. You know, in the interim until we got our starters back and healthy. And I don't think Guillorme is a you know long-term, um, you know, starting option in, in, in the starting nine for this team, but he's definitely proven that he can be great off the bench, uh, which he was, right up the middle, playing second short, and, you know, at least with Jed Lowry, I still can't believe, like, I don't even think I watched, I think I watched one of his at-bats, because he always, like, you know, he came up super late or just at weird times, so um, whatever, good riddance to him. We had DR may come up and kind of Still his role in a sense, maybe not as much of a utility man, but Guillermo can move around the infield, provide us good defense, kind of fill a hole when somebody went down. So I think we got lucky uh, in, in that thing. So, okay. Um, I think that's it for this episode. I think moving forward to this will be obviously the last Mets Maniacs episode for the regular season for the Mets. But, uh, Mike and I will come out on Twitter uh, to let you know what we're going to do moving forward, but definitely uh, – we're going to continue producing content in the offseason, obviously put out more episodes as we get closer to the 2021 season. But uh, we want to hear from you guys, so we're going to keep you engaged. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at MetsManiacsPod. Both M's and the P in pod are capitalized. That's at MetsManiacsPod. You can send us an email at WeAreMetsManiacs at gmail.com. That's all lowercase, WeAreMetsManiacs at gmail.com. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Ty Wills, along with co-host Mike Bresnak. Really love doing it this year. Uh, I did have a great time. A lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot more lows. Uh, again, that's how it goes with the Mets. Makes the highs that much sweeter. Uh, unfortunately, there just wasn't that many this year. But we'll keep you guys updated moving forward in, in the offseason. And like I said, with the plan of how we're going to update you guys and have similar episodes to this where Mike and I will chat about managerial situations and just run through hypothetical lineups maybe free agency signings, and all the other good stuff regarding the Mets and the MLB. So, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. That helps out a lot. Um, and you can get us wherever you listen to podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, 
Spotify, Apple, wherever you go, uh, we'll be there. Uh, have a great week, guys. Hope you're doing well. Mike, as always, thank you. Take care. Have a good one.